Uh, this is Gary Gray. I'm with David McReynolds and Dustin Pierce, and we are Three and Out. This is the second edition of our podcast. We started last week. As you may remember, we're going to talk a little bit of high school football, some local uh, teams especially, since we uh, we are the broadcasting team for uh, Midland High and Midland Lee here in Midland, Texas. And then we're going to move on to college. And then the third segment of the Three and Out will be uh, our favorite topics or topics of the week in which We'll all uh, just uh, talk about something that's near and dear to our heart regarding uh, sports and football that week. So, first of all, let's talk about local football and uh, go to Midland Lee. Dustin, you guys did that. You and Luke did that broadcast last week, and that was a home game. Lee came out victorious. Yeah, Lee won 48-36 against El Paso, El Dorado, and so Rebels are 3-0 for the first time since 2011, only the second time since '99 back in the heart of that uh, three-peat. So Lee looked pretty good. I I, I mean, I say pretty good just because for some reason in the second half, they kind of went into coast mode a little bit. I mean, they were up 48-14 at one time. It looked like they were going to score 100 points. And then kind of this switch flipped in them. And it's high school kids, and we love them, and I get it. Uh, But there was part of you that was like, no, (laughs) Take them out, <laughs> you know, like finish him. And that didn't happen. Uh, El Dorado had a D1 quarterback, Sedarius Barfield. He's going to San Diego State. And right. Check this out. He comprised 92% of his team's offense going into that game. 92%. And, and it was no different. He might have upped those statistics against Lee. He kind of got hurt. Uh, and went out for a couple of series, and you could see without him in the game, it was like a JV team. But you know, Lee got it done. Just let me let me let me tell you about some of the guys this week who really had a stellar performance. We want to praise some of these guys who really looked good. You know, Josh Trailers, the starting running back for Lee, but he didn't steal the show this week. Backup Avery Akbar did. Akbar had 172 yards and a pair of touchdowns on 14 carries. Wow! Um, and he even had a 49-yard run in the fourth quarter. So. Avery really uh, stole the show, but here's what's funny: he had 172 yards. Trailer still had 165. So, but when your backup hits you for 172, that's beautiful. Defensively, uh, Cougar Rodriguez he wore the number 37 jersey in honor of Jacob Power, who cool. died uh, back in 2012. Mm-hmm. And one thing Coach Hartman wants to do is start new traditions in this league program. And so they're going to use that 37 jersey, kind of like the Aggies use a number 12 jersey. They're going to float that around. Cougar wore that. He had 10 tackles. Uh, Really played a great game. Just a few kind of tidbits for you. Through three games, the Rebels are uh, outgaining their opposition in yardage about 200 yards per contest. So that's a far cry from where they were last year. Um, and really the running game is strong. 16 of their 22 touchdowns this year are on the ground, which is, again, a far cry from last year. Um, And this is just the third Rebel program in history to score 48 or more points in three consecutive regular season games. Awesome. Looks like Lee's on a roll. This week you go to... Lubbock. Yeah, this week we uh, have a Thursday game against Lubbock Monterey, a Lubbock Monterey team who has struggled so far in this season. They lost to Odessa High. They lost to Abilene Wiley, uh, who's a 4A program. So on paper, 
Lee could easily start the season 4-0 and set up, uh, they could be undefeated heading into a game against Midland High. So awesome. we'll see what happens. That's going to be broadcast on KFZX, so That's download right. the That's app right. for that. David and I went to uh, DeSoto, followed mm-hmm. the Bulldogs up to do that game on Friday night. DeSoto ranked number four in the state in 6A football, and, and we could see why. We could see why. We called it the green wall, yes. uh, the defensive wall that seemed to stop at the 48-yard line. There you go. <laughs> of Midland High all, all day, all night long. Midland High first possession has a, a about a 30-yard run called back that would have put them at, a I think, the 35-yard line or so of DeSoto. And until late in the third quarter, they got the ball to the 48, 49-yard line. It seemed like every series. Every every series. And could not break through. Never failed. It, huh? it, it was unbelievable. It was a celebration just for them to cross the midfield. Yeah, for us. For all of us. We stood and <laughs> clapped and applauded. <laughs> Woohoo! It was a big deal. Yeah, I think we saw some separation in the quarterbacks, and we, we probably won't go into a lot of that because there's a couple of more days uh, for game prep. And, you know, you never know who's going to be listening out of our Everyone's worldwide listening to audience. Podcast. Here. But that's exactly right. So I mean, we don't want to give away any strategies, but we do think we saw some separation at which I think was probably one of the main things that we accomplished during this game. Do you? That'll probably be one of the benefits going forward that you're right that came out of this game is to be able to see the difference and have one guy kind of start rising above the other. Tim Gates, DQ Harris, again splitting the running back duties. Gates getting about two-thirds of the carries. Running was tough. DeSoto's good. It's, it's a contrast from last year where Midland High had a Record-breaking offense. Mm-hmm. This year, they're averaging about half the rushing yards that they did last year, and those have been tough to come by. And if you take away the fact that in the first game, I think Harris had a 63-yard touchdown, in the second a 64, it, it it really drops that average yard per mm-hmm. carry. So Midland High, I think, is going to have to step up. The uh, offensive line is is supposedly the strength of that of that offensive unit, and they're going to have to really show their mettle. Uh, on the defensive side of things, David, explosives continue to haunt the defense. They do. They Around the edge, the middle, wasn't, I don't really believe we saw big plays from the middle of the line, but around the edge, and really the quarterback for DeSoto just picked the secondary apart with short passes. They didn't get burned long like the week before, uh, really both weeks before, but this week he just had Precision passes to the sidelines, 15 yards, 10 yards a strike, and just kind of worked their way down the field. They had a couple of explosive plays, but um, uh, primarily he just picked apart our, again, the secondary is is suspect this year for them. Yeah, so this week we host Keller. That's going to be Friday night, KCRS. And and we're we're actually excited about this Midland High team. I think they've made great strides from game one to two to three. But when you're trying to improve and just get sort of ready for district, if you will, and you go to a number four team, it's tough to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's tough to keep the morale going. But mm-hmm. I think Coach uh, Aniscavich has done a good job of that. And Keller is sort of a, a school that finds themselves in a similar place as us this year. A lot of changes. They've got some a couple of key injuries, including potentially their quarterback. We saw a different quarterback for them last week. So I think it's a great opportunity for Millen High to get off to a good start, work on some things that they need, because for all intents and purposes, you're going to be playing a 4-0 and lead team as your district opener next week. So That's fair. We're excited. I think, uh, I think they, they're a young team, and, and I think that's probably the most exciting thing of that is you've got these – 
these kids that you're going to bring up and, and look out later in this year and, and especially next year, I think things look very, very high for them. Honestly, they're where Lee was last year, except yes. maybe a little more seasoned. <laughs> and that's you probably know. right. Yeah. So, Okay, that's uh, our, our two local high schools that we broadcast for. District-wide, 2-6-A, San Angelo Central continues to roll. They're 3-0, Permians 3-0, uh, Lee, of course, and then Tascosa. And Odessa High, that's the heartbreaker, yeah, man. They really did. Two and, they went to 2-1, and one, uh, and Midland and Friendship are sort of near the, the bottom of that right now at 0-3. And, and so, as we talked about last week, I think San Angelo, Permian, and, and it seems to me Lee are going to be mm-hmm. yeah. battling maybe Lee Tascosa for that mm-hmm. third spot. And that fourth spot's still really going to be wide open between uh, – you know, if a Tascosa slips up, maybe an Odessa High or hopefully our Midland Bulldogs can slip yeah, absolutely. in. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So. It'll be interesting to see when district play starts where we stack up. We've been playing some pretty tough competition as Midland High. I, I think you're right. All right, speaking of tough competition, let's talk about Midland Christian for a minute. So, <laughs> as we talked about last week, they start out against 6A Eastwood from El Paso, win 41-31. Then they go to Brock one of the top-ranked teams in 3A, beat them down there where they hadn't lost a game in four years. Four years. They beat them 26-9 to pretty handily. And then El Paso Americas comes to town last Friday, another 6A team, uh, Midland Christian, 54-14. to Peyton Powell had over 400 total yards, 197 rushing and 205 passing from the quarterback position. Offensive line obviously did great, led by – our uh, our buddy Luke Fisher, uh, Luke getting some props last week also in the MRT. If yes, you saw he did. that defense playing great, holding them to fourteen points. So in a, by Threadgill, that's right, David Threadgill yeah. leading mm-hmm. that group. So in a contrast to last year when Midland Christian started zero and three, they're now three and zero heading into uh, this week's game. That's going to be here against All Saints out of Fort Worth, and then they've got another game before they start their district play on October the 13th. So kudos to to uh, Greg McClendon and the Moving Christian uh, team. Yeah, strong. All right, Greenwood. Our, uh, you know, our, our near neighbor Greenwood lost their first game of the year to Shallow Water, 54-34. to uh, The uh, Shallow Water quarterback passed for almost 400 yards and four touchdowns. So, Greenwood also sort of shot themselves in the foot with three turnovers mm. in that game. So, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you know, the game before they stopped this Brownfield, or, yeah, Brownfield quarterback. Right. I had to make sure that was right in my head. Who's going to Oklahoma State? And then you let this guy, you know, torture for four hundred. That's just football, man. At the high school level, you know, uh, everyone can have a night. You never know whose night it's going to be. So. I think Greenwood will respond. I really do. And, again, we'll see what happens, as you said, David, in district play. That's where it's going to all play out. Trinity, you know, Trinity's gone to 11-man this year and just still having a little bit of a battle. They they were close this game, though, 22-12. to 12. Uh, All Saints had a 15-12 to 12 halftime lead. Trinity was just shut out in the second half. But uh, they held it close, and uh, All Saints scored a fourth-quarter touchdown. Really something that you don't see – well. In six-man, you see this high-scoring game, so it's a little bit of an adjustment for Trinity to have a 22-12 a to 12 game. Is this the same All Saints that's playing Midland Christian this coming week? I, I was about not. to say, that Surely might not. not end well. I do not okay. think so. Okay. 
I don't think so. I don't. I don't see how they would allow. I don't. That. I don't. Uh, yeah, that, that's. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. topic one done. Let's go to college football. You know, Big Twelve, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State continue to just. Oh man! Dominate. I'll tell you what. I, I had a buddy text me on Saturday and say, "You you heard it here first. Oklahoma State's going to win the national title." I said, "Week one, yeah. look, they're my sleeper to get yeah. into the Final Four. You know, I mean, they the the beating they put on Pitt in that first half was effortless. It honestly looked like the Sam Bradford days at Oklahoma. I mean, Oklahoma looks great too, but." You haven't seen them as effortless as it was back when they were just this methodical machine. It was like four plays, touchdown, five plays, touchdown. That's a lot like what Mason Rudolph and company look like. Look for them. Uh, that OU-OSU game is going to be absolutely crazy. Yeah, so currently they're sitting at number three and number six, That's Oklahoma, right. then Oklahoma State. That's Two right. Heisman candidates. That's Legit. Right. Legitimate candidates. Finalists. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that game is lining up to be huge. I'm not sure when that is. It's usually November. So yeah, I believe it's normally the last game of the season. So that'll be great. Um, TCU, 3-0 and in conference. Mm-hmm. Texas Tech, 2-0. and uh, they, they, Be kind. They, have, they go to Houston this week. <laughs> that'll be a tough Look game. Out. That'll be a tough game. Yeah. Look out. Major Applewhite has that team turned her. Well, no, I wouldn't say turned around. Major Applewhite's taking following over. in the footsteps of Tom Absolutely, Herman, yeah. not missing a beat, I, I think. Um, then you've got the cellar dwellers, uh, Baylor losing again. Uh, this time no comment. at Duke. And they play Oklahoma this week, right? Oh, yes, I think you're right. Exactly. So you look for the <laughs> Baylor to go 0-4, or, which is just incredible yeah. for, for that to happen. And then the Horns, uh, you know, play a great game at USC. Some dumb mistakes. Yeah, it's, fumble in overtime. Well, it's it's interesting. Um, two things for me. One, we trying to figure out El, the Ellinger versus Bouchelle thing. I, I get that Bouchelle's got this shoulder that's a little banged up. Ellinger had a rough first half, a great second half. But then I'm going. We're in double overtime, and we run our quarterback instead of our six four, two hundred and fifty pound running back. Who also had, I get it, he had an eye laceration. I've heard he's had some attitude problems. And he had four carries. And he had four carries. But there's there's some deeper beneath the surface locker room issues I hear about him. But I'm like, I don't know. you got to give props to Texas, though, to go on the road to L.A. And for their defense to play the way they played, mm. mine, Atlanta. Mm. And uh, Malik Jefferson had his signature game as a long Finally. Run. Finally. Yes. It's the, he played the way we thought he was going to play two years ago, uh, but he really stepped up. Let's see if that can be continued. That's right. And um, oh, I think the Aggies – oh, they, they host Ark, well, host, Arkansas. They play Arkansas at Jerry World this weekend. Mm-hmm. So big game for them if you're an Aggie fan. Um, after after two close games against Nickel State and Louisiana Lafayette, it'll be interesting yeah. to see how this transpires. Uh, Arkansas, as we talked about when they when they played TCU a few weeks ago, Arkansas is always a tough yeah. SEC team. Even though their record doesn't always show that, they're going to play you hard. They're they're going to be a step above the competition they've played the last. Two and weeks. I think that's going to be a good game. It will. AM's only AM is a favorite. They are surprisingly okay. two and a half points. Okay. surprising. I, I think I would take the Aggies in that really game. Kind they're, of a draw. It, I would say they'll have the home crowd, but if you've ever followed Arkansas fandom, their fans travel. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely crazy. Their fans travel. All right, so that's the uh, college segment. So in the last part of three and out, we're going to do our, our three topics of choice. And Dustin, you're going to start this week. 
you know, normally three and out probably positions itself to be more of a rant. Today I want it to be a tribute, and I want to tribute the life of uh, Domingo Nunez, who just passed away yeah. this week. Domingo Nunez is the father of the Nunez boys, mm-hmm. Taylor Nunez, Caleb Nunez, Isaiah Nunez, and Elijah Nunez. Uh, he got cancer and lost his battle just this week. He, he was hospitalized in Lubbock. And I think my tribute to him is just the impact that a father has in the life of his kids. Mm-hmm. He's raised four boys, and they've been great kids who have seemed to be centered on something different than other high school boys. Uh, football hasn't been their life, yet they've excelled at it. Mm-hmm. You kind of see the juxtaposition there. Sometimes dads force football to be the life of their kids, um, and oftentimes that doesn't end well or insert other sport. And so we just want to pay tribute to him and uh, to that family, let them know we love them and that uh, our prayers go out to them. And the hope would be for Taylor at Tech and for Caleb at the Air Force Academy and for Isaiah here at uh, Lee and for Elijah at Lee Freshman that this would be an inspiring, motivating injection into their season. Um, and hopefully that these last games will be played in his honor and in his memory. Mm-hmm. So, again, my tributes to Domingo Nunez, to his life, uh, to a father who raised his sons well, loved his wife well, and who didn't make football his kid's life, and somehow, some way, his kids excelled at it anyway. Yeah. Very well said. Oh, that's beautiful. Well said. Yeah. David? All right, so, um, gosh, it's hard to follow that, Dustin. I, if you listen to Rush Limbaugh, a year or so ago, Rush predicted the demise of football. Yes, of the NFL. Of the NFL, beginning there. But it's it's funny how it's probably trickling down. This morning on ESPN, there's a story from Robert Stern. He's a Ph.D. at Boston University. And he's got a study that he and some colleagues have done that shows that kids who play football before the age of 12 are twice as likely to develop behavioral issues really? because of head injury. Because of the contact with their head wow. before the age of 12. And the development, the, he goes into the science of your de- the brain development and that season of life from really 9 to 12 is so critical. And they did a study that included high school, college, and NFL players and started and tracked their, when they started playing football. And the ones that started before the age of 12 had more had twice as many issues of behavioral issues. Interesting. Wow. So. Mm. Silence. Well, I'm, I'm, biting, I'm biting my tongue just because I'm like, yeah, I, I, I could see that. I get that. I think we weren't always cautious. <laughs> we weren't. Here in America when it came to our football. I think things have changed. I thought you were going to go another direction with that, but... Uh, well, the, the concern that I think Rush has talked about the potential lawsuit that the NFL is going to have to face and the, the concussion issues that they're facing that could be financially well, staggering. Yeah, that's yeah. right. If if the fact that just lack of interest doesn't get them first. Yeah. Did you see that if you added the Rams attendance plus the Chargers attendance, it was still about 10,000 shy of the USC-Texas yes. attendance? Isn't that amazing? That, that, so I thought you were going more there, but you know what? In the end, yeah, football is a contact sport. Your brain is is very important, obviously, and there's going to be issues. I wonder if, rather than leading to the demise of the game, if it just leads to us 
living in a changed game. Well, that's Re- what I think. I think the game you know, as we know it is going to change. It may change. Yeah, I could uh, more flags without getting flag football. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can think of instances of kids I know, even in our community, that GMFL was their life. Their dads pushed them hard, and I know of many of them that are struggling with issues right now. That's interesting. Behavioral wow. Yeah. You know, this is stuff that we need to track. It's kind of like, I think of it this way. It's kind of like uh, smoking back in the 60s. Yeah. You know, they're like, I, we don't think this is good, but we're not quite sure. And then slowly before you know it, it's like, yeah, this is definitely bad. So we probably need to mark this as something we look back on. It'll be interesting to see how things change and develop to even continue to protect players. That is interesting. Well, for, yeah. a, for a place like ESPN to be the outlet of this information gives it a lot of credence and credibility. That, that's right. That's right. ESPN also would rather talk about that stuff than they sports. Will. Well, that's obviously, right. which is yeah. a great subject for us to bring up Yeah, go ahead. next time. But I'm not going to talk about that. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm neither going to rant or, uh, or, or tribute. Um, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna throw this out there. We talked about the possibility or the the discussion of will will our district two six a, especially our Midland schools, right. ever be able to compete against the Dallas schools and the Metroplex? And and I and I've got several reasons. I'm just gonna throw those out there that that make it challenging. And we'll leave it out there for what it's worth. One, if you look at the cutoff on a five a school versus a six a school, right now. 5A goes to 2,149 students. 6A goes to 2,150. So take Frisco, for instance. All their schools are 5A. They've had the forethought and the wherewithal to plan ahead. So as soon as a school is approaching 6A, they're ready to build another one to keep all their schools 5A. Take Allen, for instance, two times as many students as Midland Lee, Midland mm-hmm. High, Odessa High, Permian. 6,000 right. students. You're obviously going to have a lot more athletes to mm-hmm. choose from when you have twice as many kids. And the so, biggest stadium in the state. A- absolutely. <laughs> it's a big draw. So that I think that's one problem. Another thing that we used to have an advantage of in the glory days was all the schools were the feeder programs, and mm-hmm. none of these other places in the Metroplex were doing that. Everybody's doing that now. So we've lost that advantage. Travel is huge. Midland High, talking to the coaches, El Paso game and DeSoto game got back at 4.30 in the morning. They had to be back up at the school at 9 on on a Saturday morning, and they had to be back up at the school at 9 o'clock to start watching film and getting prepared. Well, in a district such as Use Frisco again, all these coaches are home and tucked in bed for an away game by midnight. Mm -hmm. So travel is, is definitely an issue. Facilities, I think, are an issue. Permian's got a nice indoor practice practice facility, but when it rains or there's lightning in Midland, Texas, or inclement weather, there is nowhere for Midland Lee or Midland High to go. So is it potentially an investment issue by our mm-hmm. community? I think as we've talked about, Midland Christian and Greenwood have taken some some uh, great athletes from uh, that That's would right. potentially go to public schools. And kudos for them. We love having them succeed and have good programs, but I think – to some degree, that's hurt. And also an interesting thing that I learned yesterday, at uh, San Angelo Central, Odessa High, Permian, and Friendship, the offensive and defensive coordinators don't teach. They only coach. Yeah. So uh, it, I'm, not, I'm not taking a side on that at all because that's a, a very controversial issue. But uh, I, I think that's... That's that also contributes, and then some 
some issues with overcrowding. For instance, one of our junior highs has 160 kids on the football team, six coaches. So the kids aren't going to get exactly the quality uh, coaching that they need, perhaps if you had enough schools and, and there were, the uh, attendance was spread out a little bit, so you had smaller units of kids to work with. Mm-hmm. So anyway, not saying we'll never compete, just showing that we do have some issues out there. Well, and if you look at athletic budgets, have you looked at those numbers? Phenomenally different. That's right. I mean, I, I, our budget under 30 k for football, and you look at a, a school like DeSoto, Allen, South Lake Carroll, might be in six figures for six their football crazy. budget. Yeah, absolutely. So that's what you have for uh, this week, three and out. David McReynolds, Dustin Pierce, and I. Remember, listen to us uh, as we broadcast Lee football against Monterey. That's on KFZX tomorrow night. You guys will go on the air at 7. David and I will be there for the Midland High game hosting Keller Friday night on the air at 7. That's on KCRS. Download those apps so you can listen. And uh, that's what we have for this week, three and out. Again, our prayers go out to the Nunez family, and we hope that you will do the same by keeping that family in your prayers and uplifting them. That is three and out for this week. I'm Gary Gray, David McReynolds, Dustin Pierce. We'll talk to you next week.